This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. There is so much noise out there when it comes to jazz education. There's online resources such as YouTube videos, such as blog posts, such as podcasts like this one, books, courses, different teachers with competing ideas of how to improve your jazz playing. And quite frankly, this can be overwhelming. There's so much content out there, we can get stuck in analysis paralysis, jumping from one thing to the next and not really sure how, for us, we're going to get to the next level in our jazz playing. Well, I thought I'd share in today's episode my personal story of how I jump-started my jazz skills from really not having a lot of understanding of the jazz language to really being proficient in the jazz language. So I'm going to share my personal story, how I did it, the five things that I focused on in order to reach the level of playing I'm at today. Let's jump into the show. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Thanks for being here, everybody. I do appreciate you in return. I hope that you learn a lot from today's episode. And in today's episode, like I mentioned, I'm going to be sharing a bit of my personal story because I got a comment the other day on one of my YouTube videos, someone asking me, hey, Brent, can you share a little bit about your personal story of how you improved as a jazz musician? And I thought that was a great idea because I don't know if that I've ever really explicitly shared my entire story with you on this podcast. I know I've done it in chunks and bits and pieces throughout uh, many scattered episodes. And I think it's a good idea to share my story because you should know where I'm coming from. You should know uh, how I came to where I am today as a jazz musician. And I believe in the power of story. I believe uh, that when we hear other people's stories of success, whether it's huge success or a little bit of success or moderate success, that this can be both inspirational, but we can also learn something. We can grab at least one or two things from someone else's story of success and apply that to our own lives. And so I hope that today you can grab maybe even just one small thing from my story. So I'm going to go ahead and jump just right into this. Uh, you know, we're not going to waste any more time here. Uh, let's just start by saying kind of who I am and, and what I do, just in case it's the first time you've ever listened to this podcast and you're like, who is this guy? You know, why is he talking to me right now? Uh, I am a jazz musician here in New York City. 
Uh, I do gig around still. I used to gig, you know, four or five times a week. Uh, these days, I gig a lot less frequently because I found that I have a passion for teaching music online, which is what I do here on LearnJazzStandards.com. So while most of my efforts today are focused in the online jazz education realm, I still do perform. And performing as a jazz musician uh, used to be even bigger part of how I make a full-time living as a jazz musician. Now, to make a living as a jazz musician anywhere is is pretty difficult, especially if you're putting all of your eggs in the performance basket, which, by the way, most musicians aren't doing that. But you do have to have some relative skill in the New York jazz scene in order to have any amount of success performing and kind of making your way into the scene. So yes, I had to develop some decent jazz skills, some decent jazz playing in order to have some success. And that's what I did, except for that, of course, I didn't start out having those skills. In fact, I personally felt like I was behind, and I'll explain that in in one second. But let's go ahead and, and start off where my jazz interests began. You know, when I was in high school, I was into music. I was hardcore about it. I, you know, was in rock bands. I practiced a lot. I did all the things. And I wasn't particularly talented. Like, I did have some talent as a musician. It wasn't like I was uh, completely green or anything like that. I, I did have some natural talent, but I wouldn't consider myself especially talented. So right now, if you're listening and you're thinking, you know, the reason that I'm not able to improve my jazz skills is because I need exceptional talent in order to do it. Well, I just want to debunk that for you right now. You don't need exceptional talent. You can learn how to become a great jazz musician. You can learn from scratch. You don't have to have a ton of natural talent. And so I felt like that was sort of the case for me. You know, I had some talent, but I wasn't exceptional. Uh, I certainly wasn't as exceptional as some other people that I knew. Now, I found in my small city of Boise, Idaho, which is where I grew up, I found this small circle of musicians, of of students more my age, who were being, uh, quote unquote, discipled by uh, a jazz mentor. And he was kind of the only real jazz mentor around. Not that there weren't other people playing jazz, but, you know, it was pretty small scene. There really wasn't much going on. And this one teacher really had a lot of things happening. And I just so happened to be lucky that the pianist in my prog rock band in high school got connected with this teacher and was starting to learn jazz. And he told me, Brent, you should really check out this teacher. You know, he's teaching me jazz and it's really improving my skills. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is just a great music to study. And of course, I had been familiar with jazz. We're playing in the jazz band in high school and I was interested in it. I was always interested in virtuosic music. I just thought it was so cool. I enjoyed the technical proficiencies of it. I, I didn't really understand jazz, but I thought it was interesting. And, and this is around when I was 18 years old. And for me, this felt late. And I know maybe some of you listening right now are saying, Brent, that's not late. I'm 45 years old and I'm just getting started. Well, don't compare yourself to me there because it's all relative. Whether you feel like you're starting late or not, it really just depends on you know who you're hanging out with. And at the time when I got involved in this small community of musicians who were all studying under this teacher, I felt like I was miles behind because when I got involved and I started hanging out with these group of students at their weekly jam session and I started taking lessons from this teacher, I realized that everybody was doing something that I was not doing. They were learning stuff by ear. They were learning jazz standards and they were hardcore and they were great improvisers. 
And for me, I only had a few tricks in my toolkit. And, you know, I, I would go up to the jam sessions and always feel not good enough, right? I felt like everybody else had something that I didn't have. They were outlining chord changes. They were, you know, playing these beboppy sounds that I was just like, I've heard on recordings before, but I couldn't imagine producing those sounds. And for me, it was a huge mystery. Like, how were these musicians, these students that were my age, performing music on such a high level? I was inspired by that. I wanted what they had. And so I really started getting serious about jazz because I knew that at the very least that I, that those skills that I was going to learn were going to help me in my other areas of musicality, regardless of whether I wanted to pursue my, my career as a jazz musician or not in the end. So I doubled down and I studied with this mentor and I listened to everything he did. And I mentioned there's going to be five things that I did to jumpstart my jazz skills. I'm going to mention them in this episode. And number one is I found a mentor and I stuck with a program and I'll get to the program part in a second, but I did everything this mentor said. And by the way, that mentor was Justin Nielsen, who I interviewed in episode 100 of this podcast. So if you want to go back later and listen to episode 100, that's a really interesting conversation that I had with him. So the first thing that I would suggest to you, if you really want to start getting serious about improving your jazz skills, is to find a mentor. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to find uh, someone who lives in your town or your city. Maybe you don't have access to them, but maybe that means getting involved in an online course. Maybe that means just focusing on one person online to study with, right? Because that will really start getting you uh, into their point of view of how jazz works and what you should actually learn. This helps us focus our efforts so that we're not getting distracted by a million different things and take that seriously. I had someone to kind of usher me in to this jazz experience, to show me a path to improving my jazz skills. And that way I wasn't trying to go it alone. I wasn't trying to, you know, find all this material out there and just package it for myself. Someone else packaged it for me. So number one is I found a mentor and I stuck with a program. And that's what I want you to do as well. And so to kind of go a little further in my story, I, I of course was out playing jam sessions, you know, that this, this uh, teacher had his students doing every single week. I was getting involved. I was learning tunes and I'll go over all that stuff in a second, but I was working hard and practicing, but this was my 18th year of life here, which for many in the United States and around the world means that after this, you're going to go to college. Now, not everybody goes to college, but in my particular group of uh, so my social circle, yes, most of my friends were going off to college and we were all going to go to music school because why? We were excited about music. We wanted to be musicians. And so, of course, I applied to all the music schools I wanted to go to. And, you know, guess what? I got into all of them. Uh, I was able to get into those programs. You know, Berkeley. I got into Berkeley. Uh, I got into um, some other schools that I was really interested in. But... I didn't have enough scholarship money in order to go to these schools because I just couldn't afford it. I just couldn't afford to go to these schools and pay these high tuition bills to get uh, a degree in jazz, which of course, what's that going to get me in the end, right? You know, I, I knew I wanted to become a better musician. I knew I wanted to get out there, but I, I just didn't know another path. And so for me, I, I got stuck with the college thing because I couldn't quite afford it. And so, you know, I felt stuck. I, I felt like I didn't have anywhere to go. And my mentor found out and he told me, 
Uh, hey, Brent, you know what I want you to do? And I know this might sound unconventional, but what I want you to do is I want you to stay back for a year, take a gap between high school and college, and I want you to just study with me once a week. I'm going to set up a big program for you. I'm going to set up a program that has you working on tunes, has you learning solos by ear, has you working on things specific to your instrument. And, you know, we're going to really work hard together and we're going to re-audition and we're going to get you some good scholarships in a college. And I didn't really have any other options. So I said, you know what, Justin, let's do this thing. You know, this is, this is the best option I have. And so that's what I did for the next year. I followed his program religiously that he set up for me. And I taught students, I taught guitar students in order to make some money to save up some money for college. And I played gigs weekly, which is another really, really important part of my education. And so that leads me to number two. I played out live regularly. Okay. Number two, I played out live regularly. I mentioned before that, yes, I was going to these jam sessions weekly with uh, other students that were involved with my mentor. And even after uh, my high school was, was over and I had that gap year, I still attended those jam sessions regularly. I also secured myself a Monday night gig with a piano player and we played every single Monday and sometimes we picked up private parties because we were really pursuing that hard and you know this really is where a lot of growth started to happen because I would spend a lot of time in the practice room and in fact this whole next year of my life I would average 5 or 6 hours of practicing a day and for the average person that's a lot of a lot of time to practice but I had that time to practice right all I was doing was I was teaching students to make some money and I was practicing and I was gigging and that's all I did and I and I really spent a lot of time uh, focusing on that, but I needed somewhere to apply all of that. And so playing live, playing my gigs, playing my jam sessions was really important to my growth. So that's number two. The number two thing I did is I played out live. Now you may be listening to some of the things I'm saying right now and you're like, well, Brent, uh, I, I don't have this time to practice. I, I mean, maybe that's how you got good. You practice for long hours and you know, that's, that's how you improve quickly. That makes sense. And, and I will say, yes, of course, that practicing long hours did have a positive effect on my playing. It gave me more opportunity to improve, but I don't want you to be discouraged by that because you really don't need to practice this much in order to improve quickly. You just need to be working on the right things in your jazz playing, which I'm going to go over more of in one second. And you can waste a lot of time, like I said, being distracted, not having a mentor, at least a guiding source that you're really focused on. And if you don't have this place to play out live to actually apply that stuff, well, yeah, then it, things might take a little bit longer. But if you do those two things, the first two things I mentioned, have a mentor and stick with a program. And number two, start playing out live, even if it's just one jam session a month, that's going to have a tremendous impact on your jazz playing. And one more thing I want to address before I move on with my story is maybe you're listening and thinking, well, Brent, I don't really have anyone to practice with. I don't really have anyone to play out live with. There's no jam sessions. Now, chances are that if you really look hard enough, there are people around to practice with. Maybe you didn't look up all the jam sessions in your area. Uh, maybe you just need to really dig a little bit deeper for other people that play jazz in your area or other like-minded musicians. Now, if you're telling me, well, there's literally no one around. I literally don't have anyone to play with. I live in a rural area. Well, maybe if your instrument allows it, you just need to find a coffee shop or a bar and play a solo show. Just the act of playing live will put a spotlight on some of the things that you truly need to work on. It'll give you an avenue to release all that energy from the practice room 
out into the world. And if you don't have that, it's going to be hard to continually feel motivated, which will lead us to another one of my points that we'll get to a little bit later. All right, so moving on with my story, I spent that year really practicing with my teacher, and I want to just kind of go back to my point number one, is I really stuck with the program. The program was important because I really, uh, it really gave me structure, and I think structure when we are trying to become better as jazz musicians is really important. Like I said earlier, on YouTube and podcasts, even like this, and blogs, we're given a lot of information, but if it's not focused, if it's not goal-oriented... It's hard to really know which direction we're going. We may not be honing in on one skill and really perfecting that. We might be, you know, kind of trying to touch up on all these different skills and not really getting very good at any one of them. Okay, so the program, having a program that I was sticking with was really important. Now, what did I do in this program? Like, what were the things I was practicing? This is really, really important, which leads me to my thing number three that jump-started my jazz skills. And that is, I learned jazz language by ear. Okay, I'll say it again. I learned jazz language by ear. And if you're in my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing course, you're nodding your head right now and you're going, yep, yep, I'm tracking with you. I've been doing this. It's been helping. And I understand why you do it now. Because learning by ear, not only is it kind of the tradition of how jazz has been learned and played, it really will help you memorize everything that you're learning. It will help improve your ear. And when it comes to improvisation, improving our ears is of paramount importance. And when we learn jazz standards by ear, when we learn jazz solos by ear, even when we just learn little licks by ear and take them into different keys, this is exercising our ear. And this is the most applicable kind of ear training there is. I do believe in the fundamentals of ear training, and I even have a course on that, you know, hearing intervals, hearing chords, qualities, hearing chord progressions, extensions, all this good stuff. But when it comes to actually applying ear training, like applicable live ear training, learning music by ear is the best way to go. And I get a lot of people ask me this, well, okay, but you know, what real book should I get? Well, I mean, you can get a real book. You can get a fake book. That's fine. I don't think they're bad. I think you can use them to cross-check your work. But at the end of the day, if you're learning chord progressions and melodies by ear, well, that's that's really how you improve your ear. That's how you learn the jazz language. So that's what I was doing. I was learning jazz language by ear. And specifically, the program that my teacher had me doing is I would learn 32 bars of a solo every single week. So think about that. That's uh, of an AABA form, 32 bar form. You know, I would learn an entire chorus of a solo for a jazz standard I was working on. Now, think about if you did that consistently. Now, you don't have to do as much as I did. I mean, that was a very intense program. Like I said, I had a lot of time on my hands. Even if you just learned uh, 12 bars a a week. You know, think about the impact that would have. And it's not that you're memorizing all that and you're going to keep that forever, but you're really working out jazz language step by step. So you learn one solo, you're able to play an entire solo. And even if you forget that later, you move on to another solo and you're learning an entire new set of jazz language. You're starting to hear things. You're starting to listen more intentionally. I mean, think about the impact that would have on your playing if you did that. And that's what it did for me by learning 32 bars a week for an entire year. I mean, I was just learning lots of information and I was listening and hearing jazz language like I never was before. 
Now, the other thing I was doing is my teacher would have this, and again, this is very extreme, uh, so, so extreme that my teacher, even in uh, my teacher in uh, the interview I did with him in episode 100, even said, yeah, I don't do that anymore to my students. And that's okay, because it really did help me at the time. He had me learn three jazz standards a week, which is, is overkill. You don't even need, you don't need to learn three jazz standards a week. You don't even need to learn one jazz standard a week. Even if you learned one jazz standard a month, right? Just think about the impact of that. You learn 12 new jazz standards a year. Well, first of all, that's 12 jazz standards that you can play, but you learned 12 jazz standards and how to improvise over them. If you just spent one month working on one jazz standard, think about the impact that would have on your playing because you're focused on that. And so for me, that's what I was doing. I was learning jazz standards by ear and I was learning jazz solos by ear. Now, was it hard for me to learn jazz solos and standards by ear at first? Yes, it was, right? I struggled. It took me a long time to do it. It wasn't easy, but then over time, the more I did it, it became easier and easier and easier. And the more jazz standards I learned, the less mystery there was to it. I was like, oh, wait a second, that's just a two, five, one, and that's a two, five, one to the four chord. And then this is the relative minor. And before you know it, I could just hear what was happening. And sometimes I wouldn't hear it, and I could just go through it slowly and figure it out. So learning jazz language by ear is number three. That's thing number three that I did to really improve my jazz playing. Now, as I was doing all this, I was also learning how to play my instrument better. And the reason I was learning to play my instrument better is because jazz music was forcing me to know my instrument better than I did before. I would learn these different chords and these from these jazz standards, and then it would immediately beg the question, well, how do I play that on this part of my instrument or this part of my instrument? Or I would learn a jazz solo that just had some weird lines in it that I wasn't sure how to play on my instrument before. And for me, specifically, I'm a, I'm a guitar player, so this was causing me to have to learn my fretboard better. So while just being forced to learn it by learning the jazz language, I was also learning how to play my instrument better by going to teachers who specifically played my instrument and just asking them questions. So again, for me specifically, I'm a guitar player. So I was learning how to you know, play different chord inversions on my fretboard. I was learning what the different notes on my fretboard were in different positions on the neck because that's the limitation of the guitar. That's the hard part of the guitar. Now, maybe for you, you're a piano player, you're a bass player, you're a saxophone player, a trumpet player, violin player, harmonica player, whatever it is, you have limitations on your instrument. You have certain uh, barriers on your instrument that you need to overcome. And so I also was really working on learning my instrument, both naturally from learning the jazz language and also just as separate studies, just knowing your instrument better. Now we need to work on knowing our instruments better because if we don't have the technique down, if we don't, if we're not able to navigate our instruments very well, uh, it gets difficult. It gets difficult to play and improvise on the level that we want to. So, you know, for me personally, and I actually apply these to all instruments, I was doing lots of pattern exercises. In my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing, students know this because we do these this in the course. I was doing lots of pattern exercises. Of course, I was doing things specific to the guitar, like learning the inversions all over the fretboard. But I was doing things just to work up my technique and my ability to navigate the instrument outside of just actually playing the jazz language. Because I knew that if I worked on this stuff, if I spent time warming up, if I spent time running scales, 
skills, if I spent time doing patterns, if I spent time learning new things about my instrument, that it was ultimately going to help me play better, that everything I was learning by ear, it would come out better and easier if I just knew how to navigate the instrument. So that's number four. The fourth thing I was doing, I was learning my instrument. I was investing some of my time, my energy, and even my money into learning my my instrument better. This is of utmost importance. And uh, I talk about, uh, in my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing course, so I've also talked about this podcast before, the big three things that I think we need to be doing as jazz musicians. And that is technique, so that's instrument-specific stuff and just general technique like patterns and different things to navigate things better. And then jazz repertoire, right, which I already talked about, and then jazz language. And if we're focusing on those three things, I truly believe we're going to jumpstart our jazz skills hardcore. And that that's what I was doing. But learning your instrument is an important part of that because if you don't know your instrument that well, you'll learn all this language, but then not be able to execute it very well. So that's number four. Okay, so I did this for a year. I did this program with my teacher for a year. And when I got to the end of that year, I had, of course, reapplied to all these colleges. I re-auditioned, and the good news was I got scholarships, right? I got some money this time, and enough money that I felt comfortable going to college the next year. So I did. Uh, I decided to move to Seattle and go to Cornish College of the Arts, uh, which is a great arts school, by the way. And I learned a lot there. And of course, the environment of a conservatory is such that you are going to be playing a lot with the other students there. And I also took matters into my own hands. I went out and I found my own gigs with some other musicians from the school. And I was playing a couple times a week at least, which again, was important for my development. And I mentioned that earlier as one of the the big things that really helped me jumpstart my jazz skills. And I continued to practice. I I invested my own time because I knew that the school wasn't going to make me better necessarily. Just being there wasn't going to guarantee me success. I knew that I needed to take matters into my own hands. I needed to continue down the path I was going on. So that's number five, and that is stay consistent. Consistency was hugely important for me. You have to have the long game in mind. You can't have the short wins always in mind. And sometimes that's hard for us. We want to feel like we're getting better right away. And sometimes it's really hard to tell if we're getting better because you know we're really in the situation. It's hard to to, to separate ourselves from uh, what we're actually doing. But you know if we were able to do that, we'd probably notice that we are improving. But I stayed consistent. I kept my eyes on the long-term goal. And, and you know what? There was a lot of better musicians than me at the school. And it, you know, sometimes it was easy to focus on that. It was easy to go, well, you know, there's all these musicians better than me. And I don't think I'm improving as much as they are. Or I'm not as talented as they are. But you got to keep the long-term goal in mind and constantly be thinking about your personal records, your personal goals. And that's what I really try to do. Not always successfully, but I tried to do that. And I stayed consistent. So that's number five is stay consistent with your education. So, you know, after a year at uh, Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle, nothing against the school. It was a great school. But I really wanted to move to New York City because I knew uh, that that's where all the music was really happening as far as like the top level stuff. And some of my jazz heroes were out there that I really wanted to study with. And, you know, I I was young, I wanted to take a risk. So I was like, let's do this thing. So I moved out uh, with a friend of mine from the college I was going to, to New York City, found an apartment in Harlem, 
and I started uh, going to school at the City College of New York up in Harlem, which at the time John Patitucci was teaching there, among a lot of other great teachers. And I was studying with some of uh, some of my jazz heroes uh, around the city. And you know, as much as I could, I was spending all of my extra money that I had going to jazz clubs like Smalls, like the Village Vanguard, you know, some of the other small joints around. And I would jump into the jam sessions every once in a while, get my feet dirty over there. And, you know, it was tough. I have to be honest with you. A small town guy from Idaho <laughs> going to Seattle, which is a step up for me, and then going to New York. I mean, this was a pretty, this is sort of like skipping some rungs on the ladder here. But in, in doing this, it really put me in this sort of pressurized situation um, for better, for worse. But it really helped me reach higher. And, and I think when you surround yourself with great people that do great things or are really talented, even if you're not up to that level, it sort of forces you to to climb a little faster than you normally would. So I think just being in that environment um, really helped me improve a little bit faster. But again, I don't want you to to listen to this and go like, oh, I, well, that's why Brent improved. Well, he had a million hours to practice. You know, he had a ton of people to play with, and he moved to New York City. And I, you know, I can't do any of those things, Brent. You know, I have a wife, I have a kids, I have a husband, I have, um, you know, family. I, I I have a day job. I have all these things. There's no way I can do what you did. But I want to remind you that. It really was the five things I mentioned that helped me improve. It, it wasn't necessarily the the environment and the amount of people I'd hang out with, the amount of time I had to practice. Those were really just icing on the cake. And I truly believe that the five things I mentioned what really propelled me. So let me go over those again because I want you to really pay attention to these. Number one is I found a mentor and I stuck with a program. So you don't have to have a a billion resources or be in the right location to do this these days. You have online courses. You have so many different ways to reach out to people anywhere in the world, whether it be in-person lessons or, like I said, online courses or whatever it may be, or even just you know following someone's podcast or someone's YouTube channel or someone's blog religiously and just focusing on their material. Like we, you can find a, a mentor or something like a mentor today. And you can find programs, especially through online courses, that will really help you stay focused. So that's not hard to do. Anyone can do that. Number one, find a mentor stuck with a program. Now, number two, I played out live. Now, I mentioned that this could be difficult for some people, but even if you just play out live once a month, right? That's improvement. That's like a a mile marker, right? It's like sort of like you practice, practice, practice. Okay, now I got this jam session. Now I got this one live gig. How did I do? You know, you record yourself, you check it out, and then you go, oh, here's the thing I need to work on. Okay, let's keep working, working hard again until we get to the next month. That's how we improve, getting the experience actually out on the bandstand, which will shine a light on our stuff. So that's not very hard. Honestly, there are a lot of opportunities out there, even if you think there are not. So, And even if you need to make that opportunity yourself by being the first person to start a jam session in your town, whatever you need to do. So number two is go out and play live. Not hard for anybody to do. Number three, learn jazz language by ear. It doesn't mean that you have to learn as much as I did every single week. It could just be a little bit. And I talk a lot about on this podcast about quick 30-minute practice sessions you can do where, you know, just if you do a little bit and a little bit, it adds up, which is really what my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing course is all about. And those of you in that course know this. It's just taking a little bite and then on top of that bite, the next time you practice, a little more, 
a little bit more, and it adds up after a while until you've actually accomplished goals. So learn jazz language by ear, just a little bit. Learn jazz standards by ear. Learn a jazz solo by ear. Learn just a lick by ear. Maybe take that lick into all 12 keys. Like These are the things that are going to exercise your ears and get you better. And if you do just a little bit of it, that's a a good day's work, right? So that's number three. Number four is I learned my instrument. So naturally, if you do any of the stuff I just talked about, you're going to be forced to learn your instrument better just by exploring it more. But then, of course, just invest a little bit of your time working on technique specific to your instrument or just technical exercises that will help you navigate your instrument better and help you improve your technique and your ability and your agility and all that stuff, right? So anyone can do that, even if you just spend like five minutes a day, right, or 10 minutes a day or just, you know, uh, 10 minutes every other day, right? You can improve on your instrument. Maybe it's uh, learning a new piano voicing. Maybe it's, um, you know, learning an interesting pattern on your saxophone. Maybe it's practicing playing higher notes on your trumpet or working on long tones, whatever it may be. Anyone can do that and make improvement, incremental progress over time. All right. You don't need a million hours to do this. You don't need New York City to do this. You don't need Chicago to do this. You don't need any of the big jazz hubs to do this. Right. You can do this yourself. Okay. Number five is I stayed consistent. Now, anyone can stay consistent. Anyone has the ability to do that. Now, that really helps if you follow number one, if you have a mentor and you're following a program. If you actually have a program, that sets you up for more success to stay consistent, especially if there's a community around that. If there's other people doing the same thing you're doing, well, that just helps, right? So I stayed consistent, and you can stay consistent too. That doesn't mean you have to consistently practice every single day. Maybe that's not feasible for you. In fact, that's not feasible for me anymore. I mentioned that I used to gig a lot more than I do now. I used to practice a lot more than I do now. Now I my career is really about online jazz education, so I don't do that stuff as much, but you can still consistently practice. You can find specific times during the week to practice. You can consistently show up to that jam session, consistently show up to your gig, right? You can just do little things that are consistent that will force you. Maybe it's consistently booking that private lesson with that teacher every single month so that you're kind of forced to do your work, to do your homework, because you, you want to show up doing your due diligence, right? And, and you want to show up because, I mean, you invested money into it, right? You want to make sure you execute on that. So anyone can stay consistent. It's just a matter of actually doing it, right? That's usually the challenge. Okay, so number one, I found a mentor. I stuck with the program. Number two, I played out live. Number three, I learned jazz language by ear. Number four, I learned my instrument better. Number five, I stayed consistent. Honestly, if you do all of those things, if you do all of those things, you're going to have no choice but to improve much more quickly than if you weren't doing those things. And, and what are things that will slow your progress down? Maybe that will help to talk about. Going and just practicing any random thing. Sitting and only noodling on your instrument, um, jumping from one topic to another, uh, maybe consuming too much content on YouTube. Maybe you know, I this is really awkward thing to say because I come out with new content on this podcast every single week, and I want you to listen to my podcast every single week. But maybe you're listening to too much of this podcast. Maybe you need to just buckle down 
and just settle on one thing and work on that for a while, right? Maybe you just want to listen to one episode and just focus on working on that one episode for a little bit. So these are some of the things that could hinder your progress. But if you just really focus on the five things that I did, I think that they're going to help you too. And maybe, you know, there's a few things that might be different for you. But in general, this is kind of the path that I see a lot of successful musicians go on. They do these five things and that really develops their musicianship faster. Now, different people are different levels of talent. You know, there's there's plenty of musicians way more talented than me, but if you're just looking to express yourself musically, if you're looking for any kind of improvement, this is a great formula for success. So I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be pumped up. I want you to be fired up about just taking little pieces of action and taking your jazz playing to the next level. So to conclude my story, I finished college at the City College of New York, studied with a lot of great teachers. Uh, During my time in college, I started really building up my gigging and just gigging around and uh, playing at bars and shops and even the occasional club and lots of private parties and gigs. So I really started developing my uh, performance career uh, in New York, just you know, starting from college. And then that continued for years after college. And it was sort of during the end years of, of college for me that I really started honing in on uh, Learn Jazz Standards, the blog, the podcast, and now the YouTube channel that we have. And uh, just my career started shifting that way. I started writing books for Hal Leonard. Um, I started self-publishing my books. You guys may know if you've been paying attention to the podcast that I came out with my Jazz Standards Playbook Volume 2 recently. Um, And I really just started honing in on the jazz education thing because I'm really passionate about this. I'm really passionate about teaching other musicians how to improve uh, their jazz skills because, you know, this is something that's really helped my life, not only just as a musician, but just as a person. And so I'm passionate about education. And so this is where really where my career has blossomed and flourished and um, playing gigs for me has just sort of almost uh, something I do on the side just to, I, well, I just love it, right? I love every every musician wants to perform. And so um, it's just, uh, it's a pleasure to do that, of course. And of course, um, I still live here in New York and uh, with my wife and uh, yeah, that's the, the rest is history. That's all it. So uh, I hope that some of my story was helpful for you, that you learned a little bit and uh, that you can apply some of the things that I did to jumpstart my jazz skills. All right, that's all for today's show, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate you. Hope that you got a lot of value from today's episode. And just want to mention uh, this this podcast, is, I don't use sponsors on this podcast, um, but I, I will say, and I will mention my 30 steps to better jazz playing course. Cause I did talk about it a few different times in the episode. That's my flagship jazz practicing course. It's actually based off of the year that I spent with my mentor it's sort of roughly based off of that idea. Just not as crazy, of course. Um, and so if you're interested in that, just go to 30 steps to better jazz playing.com. That's three zero steps to better jazz playing.com. Uh, just a great course uh, that I that a lot of students are getting big transformation in. So 30 steps to better jazz playing.com. And as I always ask, if you got value out of this episode today, please uh, leave a kind rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Just helps out the show, helps other people know it's worth listening to. Right now, I have a goal of getting 300 rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we're getting close. So feel free to head on over there and help us out a little bit. Uh, just appreciate your 
time. And we'll have another great episode of the LJS podcast on next week. I look forward to seeing you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.